Hypothyroidism is extremely common today. However, diagnosis and treatment is nuanced and sleep plays a key role in all these decisions. In today's episode, we answer three key questions. Does poor sleep play a role in treating hypothyroidism? What is true hypothyroidism? What are the ways to take care of hypothyroidism for optimal sleep? Dr. Anurag Bajpai underwent postgraduate training from All India Institute of Medical Sciences, New Delhi. He was awarded fellowship in endocrinology by the Royal College of Physicians. He has authored over 50 indexed papers, 30 textbook chapters and two books related to pediatric endocrinology. He is the section editor for endocrinology in the Indian Journal of Pediatrics, reviewer of pediatrics, Indian Pediatrics, Journal of Pediatrics and Journal of Pediatric Endocrinology and Metabolism. He has taken an active interest in spreading awareness and has set up Grow India, a non-government initiative to improve care of children with growth conditions. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author and you. And you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dr. Bajpai, welcome back to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Always a pleasure to have any conversation with you and your episode on endocrine health and sleep was very well received. It had a lot of downloads. So I felt that we must go a little deeper. So and since hypothyroidism is so prevalent everywhere, um, I think this is the right topic for us to talk today. I'd love for you to get started with just giving us an overview about does poor sleep play a role in somebody developing poor thyroid function uh, and also of course whether sleep in fact uh, impacts the treatment of hypothyroidism. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank Deepaji for this wonderful opportunity. It was wonderful interacting you last time and hopefully we will also be able to address some of those very important issues which are very relevant from clinical perspectives in terms of day-to-day management for people who are dealing with thyroid disorders. We all know that thyroid is intricately related to sleep and it's a two-way communication. So what we're looking at is that while sleep will have an impact on thyroid, thyroid itself will also have an impact on sleep. 
Most of us are well aware that if you have a thyroid problem, you may have problems in sleeping. Like if you have high levels of thyroid, you will become more irritable. There will be more insomnia. Other features will be there. If you have low level of thyroid, which is hypothyroidism, you will have some uh, sleep, which is not good in quality. It may be good in quantity, but the quality is affected. But what I think is very important and what is often missed is that sleep itself plays a very important role in the thyroid physiology and that really translates into how abnormal sleep patterns could make differences with regards to the overall aspects of thyroid management and will have impact on thyroid physiology. Now, before we go ahead into the direct impact of sleep or lack of it on thyroid function, we just need to see what thyroid hormones do in the body and how they would be linked to sleep in that perspective. So if you look at it from a metabolic perspective, thyroid hormones are essentially hormones which increase the level of metabolism. One of the major functions of thyroid hormones is to provide energy to the body. They activate the mitochondria, so they increase the ATP levels in the body. The second big function is to increase the temperature. So they increase the production of energy which is non-dependent upon the shivering aspect. Now, whenever we feel cold, we will shiver and that will produce a sort of a thermogenesis, produce some energy, which will decrease the cold. It also is that we have an adipose tissue in the body, which will be burned also by the thyroid to provide us with energy. So you can think of thyroid as a hormone which provides us energy. Now, what are the times when we need the energy the most? It's typically when we are waking up, when we are doing work, then that is the time when we want this energy levels to go up. While we are sleeping, the body does not want to burn that much energy. Suppose you are sleeping and you have, you're burning more energy, you will become uncomfortable, your sleep will be disrupted and you're wasting your energy in that regards. So the circadian rhythm or the day-to-day -day fluctuations in terms of thyroid hormones have been designed in a moment that they are linked with sleep. So we all know that we have a very important center in the brain, which is the suprachiasmatic nuclei, which is just above the area where the optic nerves cross. That's in the brain. And this nuclei sends signals to the pituitary to say, okay, now this person is sleeping. We want the thyroid hormone levels to come down. And that's very, very important because if the thyroid hormones remain high while you are sleeping, you will have a lot of problems in terms of the quality of sleep the quantity of sleep. So essentially, what we see in terms of, if you look at the diurnal variations of how things change of thyroid in the day, if you look at TSH, which all of us will be aware, is a very important hormone secreted by the pituitary, which is the thyroid stimulating hormone. The levels are lowest around evening. Then once you're sleeping, the levels tends to go up and then they come down around uh, three or five o'clock in the morning. So the levels come down. So this is basically a mechanism in which the body says, okay, now I have got enough sleep. I want to be calm and soothed from that perspective and the thyroid hormone levels come down. Now, coming back to your original question about how sleep disturbances may have an impact with regards to these thyroid functions. So if you are not sleeping enough, of course, all these mechanisms, so body will not get a mechanism that you are sleeping, your hormone levels will remain high. So this TSH suppression which happens towards the later part will not happen and the TSH level will continue to be high. There have been a lot of studies on this and people have shown that even if you have one day of bad sleep, your TSH level will be like one and a half times higher in the morning as compared to somebody who has had a normal sleep. So what we are looking at essentially is that sleep is intricately physiologically linked with thyroid functions. 
if your sleep is inadequate, your levels will be altered. You will have a high level of TSH. Now, if the TSH goes high, what does it do? It will go to the thyroid gland and try to produce more thyroid hormones. If you have got more thyroid hormones, your body will have more energy. Now, let's put it how this is a coping mechanism. Suppose somebody is not sleeping, they will feel tired all the day because their energy levels are down, as we say, in a very simple parlance. Now, we know that, as I said in the beginning, the thyroid increases the level of energy. It is providing us with more ATP. So, body is saying, okay, this fellow is tired. Let's make more thyroid hormones and produce more ATP so that he gets more energy. Now, the cost of that would be that your entire metabolic pathway will be more. So, you are actually burning your important resources just because you haven't slept. So, if somebody has a good sleep, you will not have this surge of TSH. Yeah. So, we will not have this uh, surge of TSH. You will not have this unnecessary increase as far as the thyroid levels are concerned. And this will not have an impact on metabolism. So, therefore, good sleep is essential for a good thyroid function. This is what I would like to summarize from there. And I think, Dr. Bajpai, we spoke very little in the last episode where I brought attention to how a lot of people who are taking medication for hypothyroidism, they generally say that they wake up, they take the tablet at a time their doctor tells them, and then they go back to sleep. Uh, and you said even back then that 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 prevents the medication from doing its job. So my question to you before we go a little further is, do you feel, I feel that you are a very thorough medical practitioner where you ask these right questions. You talk about important aspects such as timing, how to build these into your life. But I don't think all the medical practitioners do share this information and I feel it plays a very key role in how the medication works. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the right way to take the medication and also the timing. So I that's a very, very important question. And we often see that, okay, people are taking the medication, their thyroid levels are not that bad, but still they are not feeling very well. They're not feeling energetic. They're feeling irritable. So they're having this topsy-turvy cycle, so to speak, as far as their symptoms are concerned. Now, one of the major factors we need to understand is that when we are taking the medicine, we would like it to be done in a fashion which is similar to how body does in terms of the time and the circadian rhythms. So when somebody tells you that, okay, you have to take it first thing in the morning before breakfast, it basically means that the maximum requirement for the thyroid hormone in the body is in the morning. So I've already said that when you are sleeping, you don't want to have that much energy, so to speak. So if you have more thyroid, you are getting more ATP. More thyroid equals more ATP. So this pattern of getting up in the morning, so somebody has told you take it in the morning first thing, and then you can go to sleep, is absolutely against the physiological concept. So what we're doing essentially is that we are getting up, taking something which is going to make us energetic. Now, if after this you're doing exercise, if you're doing yoga, if you're doing some other physical activities, absolutely fine. You do need it. So don't delay your thyroid medication because if that is your waking time. But suppose your activities start from around 8 o'clock and you wake up at 5 o'clock, take the medicine, sleep for those 3 hours. 
those three hours are not only wasted in terms of the thyroid functions, the energy you got has been missed, that period is gone. And second, whatever sleep you will be having will have a very, very detrimental uh, sort of a sleep pattern. So we all know that we have got this typical pattern of the NREM and REM sleep and the thyroid hormones of the levels go high. They will really break this pattern. You will have less amount of REM sleep and the cycle will become totally uh, disjuncted, so to speak. So if you're taking the thyroid medication at the wrong time, which I'm saying is that don't sleep after taking the medication, you will have definite imbalances which will happen in terms of the body functions. And this is something which should definitely be avoided. So yes, it's best to take the thyroid medicine first thing in the morning. But remember, when is your morning starting? If it's starting at 8 o'clock, take it at 8 o'clock. If you are becoming active at 5, very good. Take it at 5 o'clock. But don't take in the morning and then sleep off because that is going to be losing at two points. Your good thyroid functions are not there. And your bad effects of thyroid will be coming on the sleep, which will cause a lot of problems. And may I ask you, Dr. Bajpai, how do you decide somebody has true hypothyroidism? And the reason I'm asking you this is that usually when somebody comes to me and I request them for four to five months to work with them and uh, sometimes TSH has come down even from 12 to 2 in a year from just optimizing their digestive health, their sleep, their stress. So my question to you is that uh, how do you diagnose? How do you know when somebody really needs the medication? And of course, I'm not anti-medication at all, as you quite well know. I'm just trying to say that at times I've also seen people who are going through a very arduous time. They're having a lot of things going on. Their TSH fluctuates and sometimes very quickly they are put on medication. Perhaps they don't need it. So how would we know? I think that's a very, very important question because while on one hand we are missing individuals who have true, quote-unquote, true hypothyroidism who require treatment, we are also have on the contrary individuals who do not need medications being medicated. And this is happening at all levels, right from the uh, patient perspective, from the physician perspective. So this is something which we need to be very clear about. When should we treat a particular individual with hypothyroidism? So when we diagnose hypothyroidism, we are looking at two things basically. We are looking at the TSH level, which is the pituitary signal, which is coming from there. And we are looking at the free thyroid hormone, FT4 level, which is coming from the thyroid and which is functioning. Now, if somebody has got low level of FT4, it clearly means that he, the person has hypothyroidism. There is not much debate in terms of treatment. Nobody will say that this patient does not require treatment. In fact, immediate treatment is required. If the levels of TSH are substantially high, that also would mean that this disease is going to progress. It's not going to revert and you would require treatment. Now, what would be that cutoff of TSH at which this irreversibility or progression will happen or at which the adverse effects of hypothyroidism will definitely outweigh the supposed adverse effects of treatment is a question of debate. But most international guidelines across board would suggest that if your TSH is above 10, it is definitely prudent to start treatment at that point of time. Between 4.5 to 10, which is the borderline range, we have to look at specific conditions whether this patient will require treatment. So definitely if somebody has pregnancy, there is no confusion. We want to keep the TSH at a very low level. They will require treatment immediately. People who have got 
uh, abnormalities which may be associated with thyroid hormone disturbances like somebody has a mood disturbance, somebody has depression, anxiety, those cases also between that time we might need to treat. Sometimes children who are very short and we want to see whether thyroid is affecting their height, we will be more proactive on that. Definitely individuals in which I will not want to start treatment is individuals who are overweight, obese, and as you said, stress and other parameters. Now, while we are talking about physiology in terms of sleep, as well as the comp uh, component as far as the TSH and thyroid was concerned, there's also a relationship of obesity with thyroid. If somebody is overweight or obese, the TSH levels will go up slightly, 6, 8, 9. So in that scenario, if we cure their obesity, if they reverse their weight, if they reduce their weight, their thyroid functions will become normal. So just to summarize the answer to your particular question, if somebody's FT4 is low, immediate treatment, TSH more than 10, we will treat, we will evaluate for the cause and usually this will be a long term because we're looking at progression, we will find that more than 10 will require long term. Between 4.5 to 10, only if there are specific indications like pregnancy, mood disturbances, maybe in children in a certain subgroup, definitely obese individuals, stressed individuals who are coming out of some illnesses, be very wary of starting treatment in these ranges between 4.5 to 10, because there will be a huge chance of reversibility. And the bad effects between this zone is not very, very clear. While we know if your TSH is more than 10, if you don't treat, you will have long-term bad effects on the bone, on the muscle, on the heart, on the metabolism. Between 4.5 to 10, maybe waiting for two to three months may not be a bad idea. Getting a repeat one. And of course, we do antibodies levels. If they are strongly positive, it means that they will increase. So these are the indications when we should consider treatment. I'm so glad you said that, doctor. And I must ask you two more things from what you just spoke. One is antibodies themselves. I mm -hmm. once sent somebody with high antibodies to a endocrinologist and she came back saying they said that you don't need to do this test at all. So mm -hmm. I'm pleasantly surprised that you mentioned that and so glad that you spoke about that. More than that, I want to ask you, you mentioned the connection between obesity and treatment. Uh, have you ever had patients who come to you? Because I have, uh, I know people who said that they've been to the endocrinologist and try to insist they start medication because they are not losing weight. So have you ever had patients come to you who have pushed you towards medicating them because they want it as an aid to help them lose weight? Yeah, so a lot of people think, and this is a misconception that thyroid uh, deficiency causes massive weight gain. And then if you give thyroid to a normal individual, quote unquote, they will lose weight. Now, if I look at my own study, which we published a few years ago, regarding obesity in children and adolescents, what we found that 30 to 40% had these slightly elevated TSH levels between 4.5 and 10. Once we were able to reduce their weight, most of them reversed. So around 80% reversed. And those who progressed were the ones they, who actually might have been picked up at an early stage. They were having hypothyroidism. So that is the scenario from there. Now, when we talk about weight gain in uh, hypothyroidism, it is typically a minimalistic weight gain. I would say it's a few kilograms, two to three kilograms, mainly related to fluid, which is accumulated. And with milder levels of TSH between 4.5 to 10, I would say there is no weight gain at all. 
In this scenario, if the thyroid is high, TSH is high, it is the effect of obesity and not the cause of obesity. This is a very important concept to understand. Now, coming on to this point, thyroid hormone treatment for obesity. So, this was tried many, many decades ago. Now, what we need to understand what thyroid is doing to us. Thyroid is essentially burning our energy. And while burning our energy, it is actually having a bad effect. If you are making it supra-physiologically high, it will have bad effects on your bones, on your muscles. So what we want in an obese individual is to lose adipose tissue, the fat, which is not going to be affected if you give more thyroid. You will lose your bones, you will lose your muscles. A classical example will be uh, individuals who come to us with what we call as hyperactive thyroid or Graves' disease. In that condition, what we see clearly is that they will have significant weight loss, but that weight loss is coming mainly from their lean mass. It's not coming from their fat mass. So it is absolutely not of any physiological, pharmacological or medical sense to give thyroid medication for losing weight because you will become weak. And this is something which we would definitely recommend against very strongly. I'd like us to wrap up Dr. Vajpayee with about five top takeaways on how you would help somebody who's having hypothyroidism, but also in a way that helps them improve their quality of sleep. I think uh, very, very important points as far as hypothyroidism is concerned is first of all, you need to keep your medications uh, on a regular basis. Don't miss them. Take it at the right time. And second very important part is to ensure that you measure your thyroid hormone levels regularly. Even if you are having milder increase or decrease in TSH on the long term, this may have a long adverse effects on multiple factors including sleep. So ensure number one that you are taking your medications regularly. Number two, you are getting your thyroid functions tests checked frequently and adjusting the doses accordingly. Number three, coming on to the sleep because thyroid is affecting sleep. Sleep is affecting thyroid. So we need to be very cautious. Have a very, very clearly marked time plan as to when you're going to sleep. Don't alter it. So maybe once in a 15 days, once in a week, that is okay. But you should have a rigid sort of a schedule in which this is the time to go to the bed. And this is time to get out of the bed. This becomes there, very, very important. Is there a time you would suggest for adults, children, both? Yes. So generally speaking, there are two things. One is how much should we sleep and what is the best time to sleep? So if we talk about how much, generally for children, it's usually somewhere around eight hours. It will vary from different age groups. So younger children will need slightly more. Then, then children will require less and then adolescents will require a bit more also from that perspective. Adult minimum will be six hours. If anybody is sleeping less than six hours a day, there will be adverse effects on various uh, factors like metabolism, heart, thyroid and everything. So I would say six to eight hours seems to be quite reasonable in that perspective. Now, what time to do that, when to sleep is also an important thing. I think two, three things to just highlight on that regards is one, you should time it according to your night need. So you should not be sleeping immediately after your night meal. So maybe around a couple of hours. So maybe have an early dinner would be something which we would recommend. Or in the evening also, as people used to take twice a day meals earlier, our society and culture has been doing that. So minimum of two hours, I would say, from the dinner. And I would say the best time would be somewhere around uh, 10 to 11. But because most of us will prefer to sleep a bit earlier. But 
with all these modern day changes, probably 10 to 11 would be a reasonable time. And waking up around 5 to 6 will be a reasonable one. There will be some variations, of course, depending upon how your time schedule and other factors are there. And this becomes important uh, from that regards. And one last question, Dr. Bajpai. Do you uh, recommend to your patients who have hypothyroidism any um, sub? I mean, what I'm do, asking is, do you check any micronutrient um, levels and is there any specific nutrients you feel supports hypothyroidism treatment? Yes, so we have to look it into multiple aspects from that perspective. One is if you are talking about whether it will change the doses of thyroid in somebody who has got a clear-cut overt hypothyroidism, that's probably not going to happen because they have already lost the thyroid gland. So it's basically we are replacing. But there are many which will play an important role in terms of helping the thyroid work better. So there are a few things which we look at. First of all, about iodine. So iodine, we all know, is important for thyroid production. But suppose your thyroid gland is not there, taking iodine is not going to make a huge difference. We do see a lot of effects of thyroid on calcium and iron. So bone health and iron, they are very intricately linked. So often, we would like to correct iron deficiency, which will be there. And usually because our intake of calcium is quite low in the Indian population, we should recommend that we, should, we take calcium and vitamin D regularly with that. Beyond that, there are certain other elements like selenium, which have been shown to have some impact. But I would say this is more like an anecdotal one. So you want to have a healthy diet, rich in vegetables and minerals and everything. There is no routine recommendation as far as the other uh, uh, things are concerned. But calcium, iron, I would be very, very uh, important in terms of checking whether somebody is deficient, treat them with iron and calcium, vitamin D anyway. Most of us are deficient. We should take that. Beyond that, maybe a multivitamin if you're taking, if your diet is not that good, but otherwise you don't need much beyond that. Any final words, Dr. Bajpai? So I think the uh, main message I will say is that sleep and thyroid, these are intricately linked aspects. If you have a problem in one, the problem in the other would become very obvious. And if we are able to maintain our thyroid levels well, our sleep will be well. If we maintain our sleep well, our thyroid will be well. So it's like a two-way communication which is happening. And both are absolutely important from a long-term perspective of our cardiovascular health, in terms of our metabolism, in terms of our bone, in terms of children for growth, in terms of women for reproduction. So this is like a very, very important aspect of our overall life. And just by ensuring your thyroid and sleep, you can do wonders in terms of these aspects. Thank you, Dr. Bajpai, once again, giving us your time. And what I really took away was a lot of subtle nuances and a thorough holistic approach. So I truly appreciate you for coming back and speaking with us today. It is a pleasure. Thank you. Hypothyroidism is common. However, this does not mean it is normal. As I mentioned on the episode, several times medication may be prescribed before other factors including sleep are addressed. If you have a single serum lab reading of your thyroid labs that is abnormal, consider these core foundational factors before anything else. Many a time they could come back to balance. 
This episode also provided the right insights into understanding when you may very well need medication. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please do leave a review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the show going. Do also email me at deepa at ohahealth.com and share your love for the show. Have a great day. This podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material on the subject matter covered in the episodes. The podcast is not acting in the capacity of a doctor or a registered dietitian and is not rendering any professional healthcare or medical service. The information in the podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice or services or as treatment or cure for any particular health condition. The advice and tools contained herein may not be suitable for your situation. Any medical questions regarding contraindications and cautions or any questions of whether or not to proceed with any practices provided in the show should be referred to qualified health professionals before adopting the same. The podcast specifically disclaims any responsibility for any liability, loss, risk, personal or otherwise which may be incurred as a direct or indirect consequence of the use of information from this podcast or the application adoption of any of the information provided.